Welcome to the Blackhawks Talk Podcast. I am Pat Boyle. Joined this week with Scott King from NBCSportsChicago.com. And it is our honor and pleasure to have CM Punk on this week's episode. Of course, the Chicago native is a huge Blackhawks fan. How has the last couple years been like for him watching this team? He's always the, the ever optimist. What are his expectations for the upcoming season? We also discuss Punk's UFC fight at the United Center. He tells us about the two weeks leading up to that fight and seeing Duncan Keith and some of the Blackhawks in the front row while he was fighting. It's all coming up on the latest installment of the Blackhawks Talk podcast with CM Punk. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Born in the Rockies, Coors Light is lagered cold for a crisp, clean taste. Filtered cold to ensure clarity and brightness. And packaged cold for peak refreshment. Because those who thirst for more deserve the world's most refreshing beer. We welcome in CM Punk to the Blackhawks Talk podcast. I just got to ask you, you know, basically, you're, you're a very positive person. Uh, you try to keep, keep a, uh, a strong mental approach. Uh, and, and you're also, you know, want to keep yourself in shape. How have you handled the last nine months? Well, I am nothing if I am not a Chicago sports fan. So, you know, mental, mental toughness comes with, uh, with the job. You know, um, I'm more fortunate than most. I think I can I can handle this pretty well simply because I uh, I have a gym in my basement, and you know I have ways to keep myself entertained. But we're doing okay over here. We're you know we got the Christmas tree up. Larry's healthy. April's healthy. Um, knock on wood, neither of us have gotten sick yet. And you know I it, it was easier when there was hockey on television. You know, now it's like, oh, what? A, now I got to watch Tenant and try to figure out what's going on during that movie. <laughs> it seems like you usually stay pretty positive as a Hawks fan overall, but what has it been like watching the ups and downs of the last couple of seasons for you? Well, I think the reason I'm more vocally positive than most people uh, being a Hawks fan is because I was a Hawks fan in the 90s. You know, I mean, I, th- I think the f- I always say this the first monetary bet I ever made in my entire life. I think I was in fifth grade. It was with a kid named Ryan Collins, who for some reason told me that the Penguins were going to beat the Blackhawks. And I was like, why are you rooting for the Penguins? Like we live in Chicago. Why would you pick against the team that plays down the street? Like I I didn't understand that. Uh, And then, you know, the Hawks got swept and I lost my $5. Uh, I'll never forget that. Um, So, you know, you, when you live through, what I call the lean years of um, Bill Wirtz and, you know, blackouts and ridiculous ticket prices. And it almost seemed like the owner of the franchise was punishing fans for being fans of the franchise. 
um, you know, seeing Ronick come and go, no cup, seeing Amani come and go, no cup, uh, Belfort, you know, I could go on and on. Everybody knows all the stories. Um, so to see the rebirth and for the Blackhawks in the 2010s to become the team that a lot of people don't like to hear this or reference it, but they were the team that a lot of these giant franchises modeled themselves after the way they rebuilt, the way they reached back out, um, got the fans back. I was one of those people. I was, I was a lapsed Blackhawks fan simply because it was too much of a pain in the ass to, to watch a team that was just bottom basement and, I still had to spend a lot of money and I couldn't watch it on television. It didn't make any sense. They, they really drove away a lot of the fans. So I'm positive because of all of that. I've seen the bad. Uh, and then to, to live through three cups, uh, it, it's, it's insane. Uh, so I, could, I always say it could be worse. So that's why I'm positive. It, it could always be worse. It could be, you know, it could be like 2003 all over again. So what was your takeaway from the, their experience in the bubble in Edmonton? We got little uh, July slash August hockey there for the Blackhawks, and they get through that first round matchup against Edmonton and then, you know, ran into a real tough Vegas team. Yeah. I mean, Vegas is built to win, you know, and, and I, I think the Western conference is pretty difficult. The last couple of years, I think East has, has been stacked too, but I think traditionally, the West has always been the harder go. You know, I, I remember when it came down to game seven conference finals, Hawks and Kings, and everyone was like, it doesn't, you know, this is the Stanley cup final. Like whoever wins this game is going right. to win. It doesn't, it, yeah. I mean, they're, they're playing, they're playing New York. Oh, forget about it. It's going to be a sweep. Um, the, the Hawks are in a difficult situation because it's full-blown rebuild they've announced it but what i saw in the bubble i loved you know um guys can get hot and cold you can talk about how good kane is and then he goes into a slump um i love the way taves played uh i love the way a lot of the younger guys played unfortunately some of those guys aren't coming back um uh Ole Mata, i think was a monster uh, against Edmonton and he's not coming back, but it's salary cap. So it's like we're dealing with essentially paying the bill for three Stanley cups. So you mentioned the rebuild we hear in the off season, they're going to go with three pretty much unproven goalies, let them kind of battle it out at camp to see who's going to emerge as the starter. Then, you know, there's some young guys that are going to get reps on offense and defense this direction, this, the shift kind of caught Jonathan Taves, off guard what are you thinking when you hear all this well i'm thinking what off season you know uh i mean looking at my phone right now it's the 16th so we got what four <laughs> weeks four weeks right. is that the off season where's what's camp what's camp look like are these three goalies um going to be put through a shorter camp what's it going to look like uh the positive side to that is Corey Crawford was very much in that same position at one time and he was unproven and everyone rolled their eyes and complained about that. So you can only just hope, you know, uh, Malcolm Subban, you know, can stand on his head and become an elite goalie. They just don't really have a lot of time to develop any of these guys. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. 
What are you like when you're watching? If I've had a camera on you while you're watching a Blackhawks playoff game or say like a Cubs game, you know, do you have the dog next to you? Are, are you, are you, are you intense? Are, are you vocal throwing things around? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it depends on what the situation is. It depends on who they're playing. It depends on who's texting me to try to, you know, push my buttons. Um, but I'm a pretty passionate fan. Uh, if my wife is around, I definitely purposely try to put a cap on it and dial it down. Um, cause I want her to enjoy being able to sit on the couch with me and watch a game or go to a game with me. And if I'm, you know, Joe sports where I'm just pulling my hair out and throwing things against the wall. Like that's not gonna, it's not gonna help my cause, but yeah, I can get pretty fired up. Um, more positive than negative. If something bad happens, I'm like, ugh. but if something great happens, that's when I'm, I'm, I'm running circles around the, the coffee table and I'm pumping my fist and I'm yelling and screaming. I know you're friends with some of the players, which guys do you keep in touch with the most and what are they like off the ice? Uh, I, I, keep in touch with Keith the most. Um, and he's, I mean, he's just, he's so low key and he's not like a huge guy, but I call him a gentle giant just because you watch him on the ice and he's this monster who plays monster minutes and he's intense, but it's like a quiet intense, you know, he's Canadian. So, um, it, that's how I, I, I explain like his intensity. Like, you know, you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to compete against a guy like Keith, but you know, you can, you can go have a steak with him. He's, he's, he's a great guy. And he's always, he's always training. He's always trying to find a, a competitive edge and he loves to compete. That's the biggest takeaway I've ever had with uh, sitting around or just being in his presence. Like it, everything's, everything's about how he can get better on the ice. Yeah, I know you've texted me during playoff series, especially in 15 when he was just out on the ice, ridiculous amount of ice time every yeah. game. And you're like, he wants more, you know, like he's just he's thriving on this. But, you know, they are such competitors and, and they're, you know, Hall of Fame players in, in Keith and, and Taves and, and Patrick. But now they're going through this, you know, change of a philosophy with with the team where they're going younger they're going younger in net they're you know not going to go grab that 31 year old uh fourth line center 32 year old they're gonna you know try to bring somebody along who's maybe in rockford or they've drafted recently or what have you um take us into the the athletes uh you know psyche here how hard is it when you're Basically, for the better part of Johnny and Patrick's career, it's always been you're going to make the playoffs. It's just a matter how deep you're going to get in the playoffs. And now it seems like things have changed a little bit. So do, do you think their psyche changes? I mean, is it just a, a shift that they have to make when, when they're kind of looking around the room at a bunch of 19 to 23-year-olds? I'm not sure their psyche changes much because they're all – just elite athletes and elite competitors. And it doesn't matter really who you put on the ice in net or around them. Their goal is to win. Their goal is to make the playoffs, win the first game, win the first series, get to the second round. Um, it's been harder in the last couple of years, uh, but you know, empires get built and empires crumble, you know, and it's a very difficult sport to be that good for that long, you know, 
arguably the team of the, the, the 2010s, they probably should have won that fourth cup, but the, you know, Alec Martinez, uh, got that, got that soft goal in there. Um, I don't think if anything, if their psyche changes, it's more to be better leaders and to instill in the younger guys, what got them to be those leaders. You know, I think, uh, when it boils down to it, the core players, Seabrook, Keith, uh, Kane, Taves, those guys love playing hockey. And I do believe they show up to the rink every day and they're like, we're fortunate to be here. Um, we're fortunate to win those three cups. We're fortunate to play on some awesome, amazing, talented, deep monster teams. And if anything, they kind of relish in that challenge to get back there. So I covered UFC 225. And that was the last time I talked to you. And I want mm-hmm. to paint the picture for, for people because that was your second fight. It kind of felt like going there, like all eyes were on you. And I remember at media day, you came out, you had your phone, you were like on cloud nine. You were so happy. You were just soaking everything in. You walked around the craft service table, taking a video of it. You were taking a video of the banners and, and flags. And while I was interviewing you, the Hawks put out a, a, a poster board said uh, Hawks love CM Punk. And I, I think I'll probably tag our, our YouTube video of that on you got emotional it was just such a huge yeah. moment for you being at ufc one of your dreams and then you know the hawks your team kind of acknowledging you Can you just kind of talk about that whole leading up to the fight and in that moment uh well i mean leading up to the fight i had the absolute worst uh two weeks probably of my life um i don't talk about it much uh and i and i won't hear because i feel like everything's everything said now is an excuse you know what i mean like um I showed up, I made weight, I made the walk and I fought, you know, and to me, that's the whole point. Um, I knew I was never going to make a long career out of fighting being that I got into it so late. Uh, but I was faced with a, a decision, you know, do you go out here, uh, when literally everything has gone wrong in the past two weeks and, or do you, you know, reschedule the fight for, you know, next month or the, or two months after that. And I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't pass up the opportunity to fight in Chicago, you know, in my hometown on my home turf in front of, you know, my people in front of, I mean, I, I'm getting, I'm getting beat up. And I remember looking up and then seeing Keith in the front row and I'm like, Oh man, I'm getting beat up in front of my favorite hockey player. This, this is the shits, you know, like it doesn't get any worse than that, but I, you know, I mean, what is, what, what would Michael Jordan do? And I, I, people are going to have a heart attack that I just compared myself to Michael Jordan, but you know, I was throwing a hail Mary, like, oh, I'll just have my flu game. You know what I mean? And I, and I went out there and I just had the flu, you know, <laughs> it's just, um, best experience ever though. You know? Yeah. I, I look at stuff like that and I think, man, you know, it's easy to criticize somebody, uh, when they lose, uh, it's sports, baseball, basketball, whatever. Oh, it's, it's easy to point a finger and, and say, LOL, wow, you lost. Um, but I, I think competing at any level in any sport, I, I really think it's more about the journey than the destination. Destination is great. If you can get your hand raised, if you can raise a Stanley cup, you can win the commissioner's trophy, whatever that's obviously your goal, but 
the it's the friendships you make along the way and the bonds you develop with teammates, coaches, whatever, that you really look back on and be like, wow, man, that really, man, losing sucked, but this made it all worth it. And that moment, uh, when I, you know, I, I look up, I'm in the atrium and Hawks front office personnel are, you know, banging on the glass and they're holding up signs for me and saying, it's time for us to get to root for you. And like, I'm getting choked up thinking about it right now. You know, I'm a kid who was born in Chicago uh, I was raised in Chicago. I lived through, you know, Cubs stinking, the Hawks stinking, uh, all these teams, you know, being bad, but also having some pretty wonderful, memorable sports moments. And for the city and that team, the Blackhawks to give back to me, just bad. It, it, it makes me, it makes me very emotional. It, it makes me, it makes me grateful to experience everything good and bad. I just, that moment is, is priceless. You can't put a price tag on that. What's if that feeling? fight had been scheduled to be in any other arena in any other city, you probably push it back, right? Yeah, probably. I mean, woulda, coulda, shoulda, you know what I mean? But I, I even, even talking about that and saying that, like, I, I, I don't want to disrespect my opponent. And I, I think there's a lot of fighters that come back and come out after fights or after losses and say, Oh, I did this and this happened. And you know, the point is you, you show up, you make weight, you make the walk. And I adhered to that. And yeah, you know, if I was fighting in uh, Anaheim, I would have been like, hmm. You know, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe push this, you know, um, but I was fighting in the United Center and that's a once in a lifetime thing uh, at that, at that juncture in my life and my career, uh, it was never going to happen again. You had, uh, I think, a pretty cool opportunity when you were with us for the, uh, the parade broadcast. It was 2015, yes. right? When we're yep. sitting in Soldier Field, the place is packed to the rafters. And, uh, you know, you had a, a, an opportunity to be there on a, you know, a signature day in, in this city. Uh, you've now been a broadcaster uh, for MMA. How have you enjoyed that endeavor? I absolutely love it. Um, fortunate to be able to just get paid to essentially call fights and talk about something that I'm passionate about and that I love, you know, uh, I was a part of the, the Cubs uh, parade broadcast too. So that was like super cool. And it, it, stuff like that, you know, it's like a pinch me moment, but it all, all prepared me to be able to broadcast for mixed martial arts. You know, um, it, it's, it's, a, it's getting to see a lot of the people that are going to be the next generation of talent in the UFC um, it's, I mean, it's just like watching, uh, the ice hogs in Rockford, you know, and you see guys and you're like, Oh man, this guy's got something. And, you know, let's see how he develops. Let's see how his career goes. He gets the call up to the big show, the NHL, the UFC or Bellator or whatever it is. And it's, it's fun to be able to watch these kids, uh, at the start of their career or guys who have, um, you know, fought in the UFC, uh, got cut and they come back down and they fight and they go on runs and they get their jobs back, you know, it, it's, it's amazing to be a part of that. And I love, I absolutely love calling the fights. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate to be able to do that. Blessed. Some would say, I like to say fortunate. 
I know you've done a few movies recently. I'm not sure which project was shot when, but on Netflix right now is Girl on the Third Floor. And you're the lead in that. You're a lead in a horror yes. movie. So when you look at your your work, your body of work, it's like you have mostly on-camera stuff for WWE, obviously. Then you jump right into being a lead actor. I'm just, you know, that seems crazy and very challenging. I guess what were the challenges kind of presented with it? Uh, the challenges in doing that were... Um, I think if anybody's seen the movie, you'll know what I'm talking about. I, the first two weeks of shooting was me and a dog. So I didn't have an actor to, to vibe with, to, to bounce stuff off of, to rehearse with. It was me and a dog, you know, and a lot of that movie is just my face. So it could be nerve wracking. Um, but I, man, I, I just, I always look at stuff uh, whatever the scariest possible opportunity is. And if it's presented to me, I'm like, yes, that's, that's what I'm doing. I, you know, it, yes, I'm scared of roller coasters, but yes, of course I'm riding the American Eagle in the first car and yeah, let's go backwards. Let's, let's do it all. You know, I, I, I think that's what life's about. Um, the movie stuff's super entertaining though. Uh, it's challenging and that's what I love to do. I love to challenge myself. Something else you took on was writing for Marvel Comics. I don't know if you can see my background. I'm a huge Marvel Comics fan. Of course. Uh, you, had a, you had a run on, on Drax in, in 2016. And then um, I know you were a part of coming up with the story for Thor Annual One. I guess, what's it like to, to collaborate in that world? And is part of you like kind of excited, wondering, maybe there's maybe one of my uh, Thor storylines trickles into God or <laughs> with Love and Thunder, the, the upcoming Thor movie? Oh, I wish. I, I, I think Jason Aaron's got the, the Thor stuff covered, though. Um, he's a guy that uh, I worked with on that Thor annual. And again, you know, like uh, it's something that was presented to me, you know, on a whim. Like, hey, would you ever want to write a comic book? And, you know, I, I don't even have to think about it. I go, yeah, 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 of course. Absolutely. Yeah, let's do that. How do you do that? I don't know. We'll figure it out. <laughs> it's like an old show business thing. You know, it's like. Um, I mean, legendary wrestler Dusty Rhodes would always tell me, he's just like, hey, he, he would present me with a, a situation. He'd come to me and he'd be like, hey, punk, if, if Vince McMahon called you right now and he said, I got an idea for you, can you ride a motorcycle? What's your answer? And I would say, my answer is yes, Dusty. And he would say, can you ride a motorcycle? And I would say, no, Dusty, I cannot. He's <laughs> like, good man, that's your answer. You say yes, you figure it out later. That's kind of how I live my life. Um, writing comics is great though, because you literally, you, you literally do whatever you want. I mean, in that Drax run, I put a giant dragon thing, thing, foom in a, in a dress just because, you know, I thought it was funny, you know, and I, I let me do that, but they, the, the editor either didn't read that or they thought it was a good <laughs> idea. So it got done. You accept all these different challenges. I mean, broadcasting, the acting, writing for Marvel, uh, is have you, there's have been a few things that have been presented to you that you've said, yeah, I mean, I, I'll try anything, but maybe not that. Has there any, um, been anything like that? I, I, I don't know. I, I can't, I can't really think of anything. I mean, I've present, I've been asked to do stuff that I'm not interested in. So I'm just like, no, it's, that's not, that's not really my thing. But um, off the top of my head, I really can't think of what, one is right now um yeah i'll well we'll have to come back we'll i'll i'll, I'll let you know when i cross that bridge oh so i want to go back a little bit to the hawks and just you know you had a long career you dealt with 
some se- several injuries, some major injuries. You went through, you know, surgeries and and came back. And and a guy like Brent Seabrook, who's in his mid thirties, who had three surgeries last year. Um, you know, he you can tell the competitor in him wants to come back. He does not want mm-hmm. to be the guy that sits in the press box. Uh, and, and but he he understands it. But he's also you know. He's got Kirby Doc living in his basement. I mean, he's, he brings so many other things to the table. But yeah. the part of coming back from from injury in your late thirties, what kind of challenge is that? And and is that a hard thing to come to grips at times when you know the body is is going one way, the mind thinks it's still here, but not everything is is lined up that way. Yeah, I, I think you see it a lot with um, fighters, especially. You know, um, fighters are fighters. They want to fight. It's easy to criticize. Fans will, um, you know, pretty much crap on anything. They, they, they didn't like the idea of Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. having an exhibition. And it became this huge, you know, pay-per-view thing. Um, the thing with Steves is I, I, I think he's smart enough to know when – he's not that guy anymore. And he's obviously, he's not, he's not 2008 Siebes. I think he knows that. Uh, but I also think there's a lot of people that say that he should waive his no trade clause and this and this and that, you know, Seabrook, man, I, I think he, he got drafted before any of the core, didn't he? Wasn't he, wasn't he there yeah. first? Yeah. So he's really the guy. I mean, Seabrook is the Blackhawks, you know. Um, I don't want to see Seabrook play in a, in a Kraken sweater. I, I don't want to see Seabrook rekindle his career anywhere else. Like, it's going to be hard enough to watch Crawford in a Devils jersey, you know. Um, but I, I, I think when people criticize Seabrook's play, I think it's because he was injured. So – what he has now is almost a fresh start. He's got everything fixed up. He's had a little bit of time off. He didn't get to play in the, uh, the, the bubble. Uh, I think what you're going to see this year is, is, a, is, a, is a hungrier Seabrook who's chomping at the bit, not only to get back to the level that I believe he knows he can get back to, but to prove everybody else wrong. It's easy to to, to criticize and point fingers and say, Oh, this guy's, this guy's garbage. But I tolerate zero uh, Seabrook slander on my timeline. Seabrook um, is one of the biggest reasons we have three cups, you know, and there's all kinds of other reasons why the Hawks haven't been winning as many games as we would like. Uh, I don't see Seabrook being the end all be all of all that. Like if Seabrook, waves his trade clause and goes somewhere else. Like do the Hawks automatically become a better team? They get cap space. Mm-hmm. Okay. What do you do with that cap space? So they, it, there's a lot of moving parts to that. And uh, I'm very empathetic to the Seabrook situation. And I, I will, I will verbally spar with anybody who, who trashes Seabrook. Um, because if you're going to do that, uh, you, you clearly don't know the man and you don't know his heart. And I just don't, think he gets the credit 
you know, a, a lot of people will give Kane and Taves the credit and rightfully so. Um, Seabrook's a guy that I think for some reason has been shuffled to the back of that line, even though he's been here the longest and he's always the, the, you know, first guy in last guy out kind of guy. Last one from, from me. Uh, and I think you kind of laid it out. Like we're paying the price now, the Blackhawks for yep. those three cups and almost a fourth. And this is kind of the cycle you go through. Now, granted, this cycle is, you know, it's it's basically three straight years of not making the playoffs if you, you know, wink, wink at the bubble. But what are your expectations going into this season? As you mentioned, Corey's been go- is gone. Uh, he and Leonard were amazing last year. And to think that, you know, they're going to turn to one of these unproven goalies and give younger players an opportunity. Um, it's a different uh, a mindset, I think, that all, for all of us going into a season than we've than certainly we've been accustomed to the last 15 years. Yeah. And on top of that, it's a shortened season. You know, I mean, it, everything's weird right now. It's super weird when it comes to NHL, you know, like uh, they normally play what, 82, 82 games. Yep. Um, I don't know how many are they projected to play this year. 56. <sighs> Jesus, man, that's wild. So that's, I mean, it's a little over half, you know? So it's like, like I said, all eyes on the young guys, you know? Um, yeah. Kane and Taves and Keith and Seabrook, uh, they've been pulling this cart for years and years and years. And yes, they can still go. And yes, they can still produce. Um, but it's really about that guy that's next to you. You know, um, Corey Crawford, sometimes I'm in games, he'd be standing on his head and he did get a lot of help at the blue line. You know, what I'm expecting out of this team is the young guys to really kind of be hard on themselves and really pick up their level of play and their hockey IQ and not leave those four guys in the lurch. You know, like these guys are great. They're superstars. They can't be left to do all of the work we need the young guys to step up we you know hopefully if the strom deal ever goes through like he's a guy that you look at um you know a guy like highmore had a a good series against edmonton in the bubble there's i think a lot of guys um my expectations is for them to to really be on each other to not let that core down and you know to an extent, not let the fans down, really produce and gel and become a, a super solid hockey team. Well, Punk, thank you for doing this. Uh, I look forward no to the, the day that uh, we get back to, you know, people in the United Center and you're sliding in incognito, uh, maybe with your lovely bride and you're, uh, you're, you're trying to watch a hockey game and, and get away from it and cheer for your favorite team. Well, knock on wood. Hopefully uh, we'll all be there soon. Everybody, please wear your masks. Be, be kind to each other on be just cognizant of, you know, maybe if the mask isn't for you, you know, just think about wearing it for somebody else when you go get your groceries. And then uh, hopefully we can all pack to United Center sooner than later. I appreciate you guys. Thank you for, uh, for having me on here. Go Hawks. So that's a wrap on this edition of the Blackhawks Talk podcast. Our thanks to CM Punk for joining us on this week's episode. Thanks to Scott King as well. Thank you for listening as always. And we'll catch you next time on the Blackhawks Talk podcast. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. 
And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.